Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Seems like we need Christmas uh, more than ever this year. Feels like with decorations and that sort of thing, people in their homes have gone early, gone hard with decorations, put that extra Christmas spirit as much as we can and squeeze what we can out of it because the reality is we, we need some festive cheer. We've had a lot of dark news uh, this year. We're all living in that place. And so Christmas is an excuse to, to change the tone. And we're going early with it. I remember that it was the 12th of September that a mince pie first appeared in my local corner shop. We're, go, we're going early with this. And as you can see, well, if you're listening to it on the podcast, I'm surrounded by trees here at Emmanuel. We are uh, going Christmassy as well. We've got our Christmas uh, spectacular happening next week. I've got my Christmas socks on for this message uh, as well. Uh, but when it comes to the preaching and what we preach through, uh, through December, often in our preaching team discussion, we have to make the distinction. Hold on, hold on wait. We're not preaching Christmas because actually Christmas is Christmas. And the lead up to Christmas Day is actually Advent. Advent. And that distinction is something that is probably more widely in society, generally lost. We, we consider the whole sort of December the, the Christmas uh, season. But I think this concept, this idea, this thing of Advent is something that actually is quite helpful and really resonates with uh, what we are facing as a society. Because Advent is all about expecting, hoping, waiting, longing for change, joyfully anticipating something that is coming, light into our darkness. And obviously in the, the Christian calendar, that is anticipating the coming of Jesus, this baby born 2,000 years ago that brings hope of salvation uh, with him. 
But of course, in society where we are, I think the themes, these themes resonate with us because we are very much hoping for change. We're waiting. We're putting our expectation that soon things are going to be different. There will be an end to the pandemic and maybe it's the vaccine that we're putting our hopes in. And well, of course, we, we hope and pray that that is, that is effective and there will be a change uh, to come, hopefully quite soon. But we also know that a vaccine will not bring an end to all the problems that we face and that we encounter in our lives. And as we sort of approach the end of this year and really reflect on where we are at and what has happened to us, for many of us, the season that we're in is it's affected by the pandemic. Of course it is, but many more people are, are facing the consequences of the pandemic rather than the virus itself. And that is the thing that is dragging us down and causing us stress and causing life to be difficult for us right now. Maybe for you, it's the pressure of uh, finances. Maybe it's your job situation. That is the biggest issue, the biggest problem in your life uh, right now. Maybe it's the effect of lockdown on your mental health. It certainly put a strain on our relationships with others as well, in our family life, with friends, maybe in marriages and relationships like that. Maybe the problems and the difficulties that you have in your life right now to do with even the, the guilt that you feel towards how your children have had to suffer through this year or uh, because of the guilt uh, because of uh, other relatives that you can't see and are isolated perhaps. Maybe it's a combination of all these things and the, the, the stress and the strain of it has resulted in us um, indulging perhaps in unhealthy or destructive habits in our lives, doing things that we know are wrong, but it's just because everything has got to us and we get into those types of cycle. You know what, as a pastor in this church, I've, I've encountered all of these things. It's important to say that the, just because we're a Christian community doesn't make us immune from these things and immune from the pressures of the season and the year that we have had. But that's also not to say that Jesus Christ doesn't make any difference to those very real, very tangible things that we face. He really does. And so at this time, we can anticipate and focus on the coming of Jesus, not as an excuse to, to feel all Christmassy, but actually something much more substantial than that. Actually, Jesus can and does bring real impact to our hearts and to our lives and actually can help change us from the inside and help us even navigate through all these difficulties that we might be facing. And that's what I want to talk about today. This incarnation, this coming of Jesus 2,000 years ago, didn't come to change our traditions, but change our lives. And so we're going to be reflecting on that over these uh, next few weeks in the lead up to Christmas in, in, in this series. The way in which the incarnation, Jesus being born in Bethlehem, how that impacts our lives as we reflect on what we are facing as a society. And in this message, I'm going to specifically talk about uh, freedom. Because freedom is something that in many ways we have lost this year in ways that we didn't think were possible before, that we've been under so many different uh, restrictions. And the passage that we heard before I started speaking today uh, talked about the fact that Jesus has come into the world, been born into the world, and one of the things he brings is freedom. 
freedom to us, free, freedom from being under the law to being uh, sons of God. That's what it says in verse four and five there, to redeem those who were under the law so they might receive adoption as sons. But wait a minute, freedom from the law, well, it refers to the Old Testament, the, 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 the law, the Ten Commandments, the things that were given to the Jewish people that's in the, in the, in the Old Testament in the Bible. That's not really probably the freedom that we're really interested in right now. There's plenty of other freedoms that if Jesus could give to us, we would want to take hold of straight away. The freedoms that we would want right now are the freedoms to see the people that we want to see and have them in our home and hug them and be close to them and not be restricted in that way. We want the freedom to just go to the shops without wearing a face mask and having to follow confusing one-way systems around our shops. And the freedom, just even simple things like our children to have birthday parties, the freedom to live without sense of anxiety and fear that this pandemic has uh, brought to us. That's the kind of uh, freedom that we want right now. But actually, is that what we really need? Of course, we don't like being told what to do and living restricted lives. But let's consider Jesus for a moment and consider his life because actually he experienced a huge amount of restrictions on him. And actually, there's many things that we can learn about how to respond to that. Consider this baby born in Bethlehem and the life that he lived for these 33 years on earth. It was actually a life full of restrictions. Even to begin with, the Bible story of Jesus is God become flesh. God in a human body, not just a human body, but in, in a, as a baby. That's confinement in of itself. And Jesus was raised in obscurity, didn't have the opportunities and wasn't raised in a palace, didn't have freedoms like that. Little freedom to express himself. And also Jesus was born into a people who were oppressed. These Jewish people, they were at Jesus' time on earth, were under the rule of uh, the Roman Empire. And so Jesus was subjected to those governors and those laws and those uh, rules and taxes imposed on him and others as well. And even when we get to the point in the gospel story of Jesus' teaching and his ministry as he went round and taught people the truth and healed people and cast out demons and all those sorts of things, at times he was very popular and the crowds gathered to him. But all through it, what we see is that he's being opposed that the powerful, influential people, religious leaders, were constantly coming against him, challenging him, contradicting him, undermining him, slandering him even. And what we see as Jesus' life develops is that it seems like they eventually win in their project to, to drag him down, that they turn the crowds against Jesus completely. And Jesus is betrayed by his people. And he's taken and he's put before uh, the, the Roman rulers and, and falsely accused and sentenced, and sentenced to death. And he's given a cross to carry up a hill and then nailed to that cross and is killed in that way. Jesus lived a life that is full of restrictions imposed upon him. And yet when we consider Jesus... Do we see someone who is just ground down by the stress of that? 
Is Jesus someone who's fed up and can't take it anymore and just in a bad mood the whole time? No, actually, when we see Jesus' life, despite all these restrictions, Jesus is full of joy. He's full of compassion for people. He seems to have a resource to love people no matter what situation that they are in and what they are facing. He's time for people. He's kind to people. He's loving and caring towards other people. You see, when you and me, we have facing all these restrictions on our lives, it brings out the worst in us, doesn't it? We've all experienced that this year. The pressure of these restrictions has has brought the worst. We've We've become frustrated at times. We've been angry. We've been selfish. Maybe we've just been so introspective with it or we're prone to bitterness or jealousy, given in to bad choices in our lives because of what we are facing. You know, one of the things that has been on the news in the last week or so is these um, huge retailers that have uh, collapsed, big brand names that have gone into administration. And uh, one of the things that, people are saying about that the sort of analysis of that is that of course the pandemic has had a huge impact on what has happened but actually they've identified that these companies and businesses were ones where there were issues already and actually what happened was that the pandemic hit and the problems in those companies were just accelerated and brought to the surface and I think that's what happens on a personal level with each one of us that there is brokenness in us, there's sinfulness, there's, there's a proneness to selfishness. And when we're in a pressured situation, it, actually those things spring to the surface and we realise these are much bigger issues than we thought we, that, that, that they were. These come to the surface. And although we talk about wanting freedom to, to live the way we want to live, actually, how can we get free from from the darkness within us that sinfulness that selfishness how can we get free from guilt how can we be free to really love people and be compassionate towards other people like Jesus is Jesus seems to live in a completely different realm when it comes to these things and the truth is it's to do with his identity what you and I really need is not actually more freedoms in life because that won't solve the problems that are within us what we need is someone we need a savior to bring us freedom on the inside freedom from sin freedom from guilt freedom from bitterness and selfishness those things that are wrapped up in our hearts these were problems long before the pandemic and as a society as a society as a whole the problems that we face Yes, the pandemic is here now, but actually there's a bigger problem that has been with us since the the beginning of humanity itself and will continue on long after the pandemic is forgotten. It's the problems within us. And Jesus has come to bring us freedom from that. How? How does he do it? How How does Jesus bring us this inside out type of freedom? Well, this passage tells us And what it's to do with, it's to do with a way of relating to God, that Jesus has brought us into a way of relating to God that's not to do with the law, but to do with being sons, to be with to do uh, being a child of God. Okay, what's that all about? Okay, I have to go on a bit of a journey here with this. 
Let's think about it. When we come to think of God, whether we are a Christian or not, are used to thinking about God, probably most of us, if not all of us, are prone to think in terms of, well, God is God and he is good and he is righteous and holy and all those things come to mind. And so we think about ourselves. We tend to think of God in legal terms of good and bad and of, of, of sin and, and, and righteousness. That's understandable, as I said, because, you know, from the Old Testament, we have in the Bible huge amounts of laws. When we think of the God of the Bible, maybe it's right that we think of laws and we think of God in that way. God is a, God is a judge and there's ways in which he wants us to live. But this passage from uh, Galatians, it helps us to understand the place of the law because whether we're a Christian or not, sometimes we can think of like God's law and his standard as well. What God really wants is us to live up to that standard and then God's happy with us. You know, that's the purpose of the law, surely. Well, this passage says it's not. Actually, this passage that we had read at the beginning says that the law had a different function. Okay, well, what, what's God's standard? What's, what purpose does that have for us? Well, this passage says that the law had a role in the lead up to the coming of Jesus. And that role was to show us our need for Jesus, to show us our need for a saviour. And whether we are familiar with what the Bible has to say, whether we're familiar or not with um, with God's word and the Old Testament law or whether we're familiar with the example of Jesus and we see his life and we compare his life to our own or whether it's just actually the God-given conscience within us that reveals to us, no, there's a standard that I'm not meeting. For people like you and me, we don't even live up to our own moral standards. So it's in one sense quite right that when we think about God, we think that Actually, I'm, I'm guilty. I'm guilty and fallen short of who I should be. Law has that effect. Even thinking of God has that effect on us. But the good news of the Bible is that that was the purpose of the law there. But actually Christ coming into the world that we celebrate at Christmas is good news because Jesus has been born into the world to die for the sins of the world. That as we realise our guilt and our need to be forgiven for the wrong that we thought and said and done, Jesus is the answer to all of that. Jesus has come that we might be free from the guilt that we feel, free from the sin, because he's born into the world to die on a cross for our sin in our place. That is the good news that Jesus has come to bring us. But actually this passage gives us even better news than that because what it does it contrasts not just the law and that we're guilty of it and Jesus has come to forgive us actually the passage doesn't say that it says it comes to redeem us free us from that completely it's not just even about being forgiven by God it's about relating to God in a whole different way because this passage contrasts being under the law and thinking of our guilt not just being forgiven but actually relating to God as a child to redeem those under the law, it says in verse 5, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And I want to just spend the last few minutes that I've got with you today unpacking that. Receive adoption as sons. Firstly, to say as, as we get into this, 
when it uses the term sons, it's using that deliberately. It is talking, is this letter to the Galatians is a letter written to some churches and the author is talking to both men and women. So it's a universal message in that sense. But it's using the term sons because it's a, it's a term about inheritance, a privileged position. That's what they would have understand by saying you can be sons of God. You can be blessed, honoured in a specific way that applies to everyone, both male and female. So don't be distracted by that. I'll, re- I'll touch on that again before the end. But let me illustrate this, that Jesus has come to bring us into a new way of relating to God that brings us into new freedom. Here's an illustration that's going to hopefully help you understand this, this amazing concept. Imagine, well, you, in, in recent, recent weeks, we have seen and probably seen on the news how many people, well, it seems like from the news, many people have flouted the COVID regulations. have got themselves into trouble. And one of the things that it was saying, people, the, the police were coming and giving people fines and then people were disputing that. So I think what they're sending people to court now after they've broken the restrictions to determine what fine they should pay. And uh, imagine that you were found guilty. Uh, you had broken the restrictions during lockdown and you have to appear in court before the judge on Christmas Eve. And you appear there and the judge is before you and says, yeah, and realize what you have done and you are guilty. £10,000 fine for you. But imagine then if the judge turns to you and says, right, £10,000, that's what you need to pay. Oh, by the way, we have an extra space in our bubble. So do you want to come for Christmas lunch tomorrow with us? That would be a very surprising thing to do. You don't know this person. This, is, this person is just a judge to you. And now they're inviting you around for Christmas lunch, even though they found you guilty. Now, you would probably say no. But imagine if you said yes. Imagine going to that judge's home and, and sitting with them for Christmas lunch with their family. That would be a very uncomfortable experience because the only way that you have related to this judge is that they have found you to do something wrong. So the way you relate to them is someone... I'm actually a criminal in your eyes. I'm guilty. You're the judge. And even though they're being nice to you, you still think of yourself in that way. I'm guilty. He's a judge. It's it's an uncomfortable meal. You're going to tiptoe around. It feels like you're walking on eggshells. You're not going to be comfortable, even though it seems nice and here we are at Christmas dinner. Many of you, even though you're Christians, and even though you know that you're forgiven, you still relate to God in terms of he is a a judge and you are guilty. And this passage says that Jesus has not just come to forgive us, but to bring us into a whole new way of relating to God. That that way of thinking is actually inappropriate. He's redeemed you from that whole way of relating to God. There's a new way as sons to relate. So let's rewind with our illustration and go back to it. Okay, you've broken COVID restrictions, you turn up to your court appearance on Christmas Eve and you stand before the judge, but the judge is a loving, caring, your loving, caring father. So he looks at you, considers what you have done and says, yes, you're guilty. 10,000 pound fine for you because you are guilty. But then he says, but you're still coming for Christmas lunch, aren't you? And so the next day you go to your loving, caring father's house for Christmas lunch. Now, even though you know you're guilty, and even though you know your father is a judge, it's your father's house. 
And so when you go to your father's house for Christmas lunch, there is just a completely different atmosphere. You go in, you kick off your shoes, you lounge on his sofa. You go over and you walk to the fridge and take a drink out without even being asked. Why? Because you are relating in a whole different way compared to just seeing the father or just, see, just seeing the judge. It's a completely different atmosphere. There's a new way of relating. And that is what Jesus has done. Jesus has been born into the world to die for the sins of the world, not just so that we can be forgiven, but that we can relate to God as sons, as children. And know God as a loving father. Yes, he is a judge. Yes, there is a standard we've not reached. That is dealt with. Now we can enjoy that relationship with him. And so my question to you, if you are someone who knows that you're forgiven, why are you still relating to God? Why, when you pray, when you think about God, why are you still thinking, oh, does God like me? Is God happy with me? Have I done? You're a child. If you receive Christ, you're a child of him. This is the new way of the Spirit. And you see, when we receive Christ, the Spirit of God comes to us. And that's what this passage says. We can say, Abba, Father. We can just know His presence and be in His presence. The guilt is gone. He's freed us from that. There is something new, a new way of relating to God through Christ. Let me say one final thing on this, because the passage does talk about relating to God as sons. And I've already mentioned that is to do with our inheritance and our privileged position. Because also it's possible even to think of yourself, well, I'm a child of God because of Jesus. That's wonderful, wonderful news. But we can even think, but actually I'm still at the kids' table. You know, I'm a child, but I'm at the kids' table. You know, at Christmas lunch, you have your, the main table for the adults and there's not enough room on the main table, so they have the kids' table. But actually, that's, this is not what Jesus is saying to us through this passage. No, he's saying, you're not just at the kids' table. You're not just a child in the house. You're at my table. There is a position of inheritance and blessing and honour that Christ has that he shares with us. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born into this world. Why was he born into this world? Yes, to die for our sin so that we can be forgiven. Yes, to free us from guilt and shame. Yes, to bring us into a relationship with God as our loving, caring Father. But also to know the blessing and honor of being his son, being an inheritor. Friends, we might not be able to share a table with all those that we would want to this Christmas, but Jesus invites us to join him at his table, a place of honour alongside him. That's what he's come to bring us in Christ. What a saviour. Let's use right now, let's use this season, this Advent season, to focus our hope on Jesus Make him the source of our joy as we anticipate celebrating Jesus and his arrival into the world. And also know that he's brought us into the peace and the freedom of knowing God as our loving heavenly father.